Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode, kids who've never run before, kids who've never worn shoes before, we wow. gave them the first pair of shoes. We told them that running even exists. We had four kids who'd never even been to school, so they didn't know books, they didn't know anything, they didn't even know the language. They only knew their tribal language. They didn't even know the national language. Running with Jake, the podcast, because every runner needs the occasional plot. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. This is indeed the Running with Jake podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation. I am back from Greece. I am fired up. I'm semi-fired up. I'm not going to lie to you. We'll never tell you a lie on this show. This is your weekly dose of running motivation. I normally start the show with that line, and then I normally tell you that we've got a great show lined up for you. And to be honest, we probably have got a great show lined up for you. We're professional. (laughs) But can I guarantee that? I'm not sure. I don't even know what time it is. I got back late last night. I'm committed to the cause. I mean, this is just crazy. Why, in my infinite wisdom, did I agree to record this episode of the podcast like on a Sunday morning when I got back so late in the early hours of Sunday what am I thinking obviously we've got a reasonable show lined up we've got an Indian coach a coach out in India who an awesome guy we want to speak to who has a program where he develops young Indian athletes to achieve Olympic medals this is fantastic but that's one of the reasons we're recording the show so early I mean obviously the time zone India I mean I mean is it UK British time are we in summer British time British summer time where am I (laughs) what day is it (laughs) my mind Honestly, it's blown. I mean, I've had a great trip. I won't deny it. It was awesome. You know, there's many people this year that have not been able to get away. And I do feel, we both, Martina and I, feel very privileged to have been out, had the chance to get out to Greece. And her parents from Italy managed to to meet up over there. So that, you know, spent time with those guys. So it was awesome. But, man, it wasn't without his headache. I tell you, Pete, if you're planning on going away, lastminute.com at the end of this year, if there is anywhere that you are able to fly, don't do it, man. I mean, look, I'll tell you straight, this show is all about advice. Predominantly running advice, but my advice is don't fly. Have you seen the length of the form <laughs> that you have to fill in just to get back on the plane? I'm telling you, it's longer than the flight. The public health passenger <laughs> locator form, it is just so painful, mate. Don't don't even go wow. there. It's tricky enough going to a restaurant, so I completely appreciate, you know, flying somewhere. That's that's gotta be that's gotta be a real oh, pain. Oh man, we're in a little Greek airport thinking, uh, Martin says, Did you fill the form? Yeah. No, no, did you? You that was your job. You it was on your list. Look at my list. This is this. I've checked, checked everything off on my list. She's like, no, no, you need to fill the form. Like, oh crap! And the time's ticking oh, down man. before they, they close the gate, so we have to fill this form in on like the mini iPhone screen. Honestly, it's an absolute nightmare. I would rather face a horde of flesh-eating zombies armed with nothing other than a French stick <laughs> than fill that form in again. I, 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 I seriously, seriously. So this is your weekly dose of kind of semi-motivation. But we're okay, we're okay. I tell you the big problem, and I was thinking about this while I was making a coffee earlier, which I needed strong, by the way. No milk, because of course the shop was closed at the airport. First thing you do, British, is land at the airport, go and buy milk. It was closed, damn it. So I've got a black coffee on a go, which I need. And I thought, you know, I just, people suffer with holiday blues, don't they? And then, yes, this is a yeah, running show, yeah. but I think there's some relevance here, because people suffer with post marathon blues, people get post wedding blues, any big event that people. Post-wedding yeah, blues? Yeah, that's a thing. Post-wedding blues. Is it? I don't know. You're, I didn't, you're married. I'm not married. People tell me this is a thing. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't I didn't experience yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it, I make, know, but it makes one, sense, doesn't it? If you yeah. think about it, you put all your focus and energy on this one big event, be it a holiday, be it a wedding, uh, be it a marathon, which is a case for a lot of people. And then afterwards, the day after, you go, well, what do I do now? This has been my life for six months. This is what I've been building up to, and now it's over. It's <laughs> yes. over. What do I do? And now I've got to spend the rest of my life with this person here. <laughs> what? But in the case... You've got, I suppose if you get the wedding blues, you need to keep it really quiet from your partner, don't you? Because it's kind of like going, 
Well, that's that over and done with. That was the best bit. Now look what we've got. Oh, no. So if you get the wedding blues, you've got to keep it quiet, surely. I think they call it putting on a front, don't they? I've got to put on a front for the next 75 years. But it's a little bit easier if you suffer post-marathon blues, which is common, because what people do, they gear themselves up to the London Marathon the following day. Oh, man. You know, shattered, never going to do one again. And then Monday or the Tuesday afterwards, it's like, hmm, I'm feeling a bit itchy. But you book another one. So it's relatively sure. easy to do. Whereas, obviously, wedding, not so hard. You can't right i'm gonna get married again let's have another go at it let's pick another one but let's do it again. it's the same with holidays normally you would book another holiday but of course can't do that we don't know what's happening with our flights they're dropping like flies mate we can't you know quarantine two weeks here and there we can't do it but i've had an idea what i've done to get right. over the post-holiday blues is i've created an atmosphere to make me feel like i'm still there so i've actually turned the home studio into a little greek taverna here I've got some random pottery stuff in the corner. You probably can see on the on the video phone there. You see Just that turn, in the corner? Turn the you see that, yeah. I can see that, There's yeah. That's nice. Some uh, random Greek pottery there. I even bought from That's Duty nice. Free a baklava-scented candle. So really getting the feel here. It's good. Nice little vibe. A little bit of limoncello on the go this morning. Bit early, but, you know, sometimes oh, needs early. must. <laughs> and I'm not even flushing toilet paper down the toilet. I'm really taking things <laughs> to the next level. I've not bought a poo bin yet, but what I do is I just leave it on the windowsill. It's fine. Running with Jake, the podcast. Your weekly dose of running motivation. Out every Wednesday. Never miss an episode by subscribing now. From Greece to India, we are now speaking to a top guy. He's a fellow running coach. He's based out in India, and he's set up a foundation that's a registered trust in India, which is designed to help create and develop young athletes and turn them into Olympic champions for India. Just incredible stuff. We've got him on the show now. Hey, Karen, how you doing? Good, guys. Good to be on the show. Good to have a chat with you guys. The problem with um, with doing overseas link-ups is when there's a different time zone, it's really, really easy to get that wrong. But we got the time zone pretty bob-on this time. <laughs> However, there have been some Zoom issues, which means that now we can't see each other, which for me is a good thing because in the UK it's about half past nine and on a Sunday morning and I'm in my pyjamas. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we're, we're speaking to a professional here now, Pete, so we haven't got to worry about you in your pyjamas, my friend. This is, this is about Karen and uh, what's going on with him in India. So let me get this right, Karen, because this is just awesome. You're, you're a former middle distance runner yourself, aren't you? And I know you ran professionally in, in America for a number of years and a, a number of different teams. And then you were inspired, which I just think is so awesome, to set up the Indian Trek Foundation. And correct me if I'm wrong, this is all about living out your dream of working towards producing effectively Indian Olympic champions and that's that's what your big goal is isn't it absolutely you know that's what I do um, basically I was an athlete who um, trained at the national level and I was in the US for about six years training in Eugene and you know um, how it is I was really passionate about running for my country and you know basically I wanted to be part of the 2012 London Olympics and uh, up in mm. about 2010 to 11, I kind of started understanding that, you know, that dream is going to kind of um, be not possible. And I kind of have to kind of work on a few other things and maybe try and look at a career which would be beyond just competing for the country. And, you know, it got me thinking and and it just uh, drove me because I'm really passionate about my country that the culture in, uh, you know, in, as running as a sport in India is not a mature sport. It's something that... Uh, we as Indians don't really do. We play cricket and we play other sport and running is something that we just don't do as a sport. And I felt that that's something that I need to change. The kids are in the rural areas in India, etc., are given... I mean, I would always tell myself that, man, if these kids 
were given the opportunity that I was given in the US because I was studying at the same time and I got uh, an amazing experience, uh, you know, training with some of the best athletes in the world. That if these guys are given that opportunity and they're given that environment, man, we're going to have Indian Olympic medalists all over the place. But sadly, currently, we don't even have one, not even one medal. And, and that kind of just shook me up. Um, I felt I was the person who wanted to kind of bring that change about. So I moved back to India and started up uh, a track club in Delhi. And uh, that was back in 2013. Uh, retired from running and started, just started coaching, started putting my passion in and it uh, just blew up. And, you know, that's something that uh, not many people understood the track, that you have to train, that running, oh, you know what? <laughs> running even requires training. So it was kind of uh, uh, it was kind of cool because I was kind of the first mover in doing this. And then a lot of people have followed through. Sure. But kind of started that in Delhi, which is the capital of India. But then again, in 2015, um, you know, we had a bunch of kids, over 100 kids who trained with us and, it was going really well. We had coaches, we had a program and it was very positive. But I still felt that, you know, to produce the Olympic champions, I mean, I had some kids who were competing at the state level and they were winning medals there. But, you know, competing at state level, then going on to the nationals and then, you know, competing internationally and then even having a shot at a medal, you know, these are huge steps. And I could see that that's something that I need to kind of make a bigger sacrifice. I need to have a bigger plan in place. I need to generate bigger funds i need to kind of have a bigger vision to kind of achieve that because i've got a short window right i mean <laughs> i'm 34 now and you know 55 60 you want to kind of achieve things retire and do other things with your family and you got 20 years to do this so what we decided was we set up the indian track foundation it's a trust so it's an ngo which is a non-government organization and we raise funds to scout educate house only tribal and adivasi kids so adivasi basically means tribal kids in india kids who are genetically born to run the middle and long distances specifically through our research and then we talk to the parents we house them we school them we get them to a high altitude high performance center where we all live together under one roof with my family and that's my wife my daughter and we cook together we train uh, every day and our focus is to win medals for India. This is what I do full time and I'm dedicated to this uh, project. I mean, I'm charged just talking to you, just listening to you. I want, to, I want to get going now. This is amazing. And you know what? I think there's so many recreational runners listening to this episode now that are thinking, man, I wish uh, I wish Karen had scooped me up. This sounds like a fantastic program. You know, find somebody so young, nurture them, help them to develop, give them the opportunity. I mean, as you say, education is so important, isn't it? Because it's, it's not just about that single focus of, of becoming an Olympic champion. You've got to look at other aspects and elements of your life, like obviously education. Just tell me, Karen, what, how did it start for you in terms of your, your running? Because you said, obviously, in, in certainly in India, running is not something that's necessarily at uh, the forefront of people's mind. It's not the thing they think about instantly when they think of India. And you... You, you have a, clearly have a passion for running and you did very well over in America competing. How did how did you get into that? Did you have a natural ability? Were you Did somebody scout and find you? How did it work? I think I was a natural, yeah, I would say I was a natural towards just running. You know, my, my mom and my dad, they were both uh, sports people growing up and good runners. You know, my dad was a 400 meter guy. My mother was a 100 meter runner. So speed was something that I think genetically I was just born with. So whenever I would compete in school, you know, you have your sports days, your county meets, your, your district meets, I would do really well. You know, I would win, you know, all those races. I didn't have to train for it, just naturally quick. So, but, and I was inspired by this guy in the US called Steve Prefontaine. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. 
Have you guys heard of him? No, I certainly oh, yeah. have. Oh, yeah. I certainly I mean, have. That guy, three, well, I saw his movie in 98. I was 12 years old and totally taken aback by the guts and how he runs. I didn't even know what 5,000 meters is, 5K, etc. And um, I would come and, you know, compete in the sport of cricket. I would do my nets, bowl, bat, but I would think about running. And um, then just uh, about, when I was about 16, 16 and a half, I had my first ACL reconstruction surgery. So I was doing a long jump in school and grade 10, 11, and uh, jumped awkwardly, didn't have the right technique, and busted my knee. And uh, oh, yeah, so man. I was out for about six to eight months. Uh, but then those six to eight months, it just got me thinking, like, you know, like kind of almost like you're calling, like, am I doing the right thing? I want to run like Prefontaine. I want to run. I, I think I can become the best runner in the country. So then I slowly started running. I started competing. I got myself a coach. I started training. I started doing well. And just that that's where it picked off. And then I started running when, properly when I was 14, 17. And then, uh, you know, up till, you know, my late 20s, I was just competing. Once you, you, you realized that you had all those ingredients, was 2012 the main focus for you? Yeah, for me, uh, looking back now, 2012 was the focus. But now as a coach and, you know, you, you kind of look back at your life, was I actually good enough to compete for India in 2012? No, I wasn't. Yeah, I was in the US. I remember... Um, I, I just, uh, you know, in 800 meters, my time was about a 156, 157. And uh, I remember seeing some college meets there, some high school meets there. And I see these kids who are 18, 19, running 149, 150, no issues, finishing up a race, not even feeling it. And I was like, okay, you know what? Wow, I'm, I'm, I'm 24, 25. I'm running a 156, 155, trying to, you know, get a 146 which is and some change which is the time for the qualifying time for the olympics can i do that okay even if i can you got so many of these guys competing all over the world who are running so much faster than you they're younger than you and if you genuinely tell yourself are they better than you you know as an athlete you're kind of selfish you know you're thinking about yourself it was a tough tough task but you know what i learned so much i got an amazing experience because that was my calling, you know, and had I not had that experience in the best place in the world, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. So I guess um, that's what it is. Clearly it laid the foundation for the for your work now, your good work at the, with the Indian Track Foundation. You know, I think there's there's no no question of that and your work with the, the Indian Track Club. It, you, you sound like a very honest and open guy, Karen, and, and I love that. And if I can, I just want to pick up on something that you mentioned earlier, talking about the, before we talk about your, your work now, looking back at your career, and you mentioned you realised the dream was not possible, talking about 2012 and obviously these younger, faster kids coming through and athletes all around the world competing at a high level. Was that, did you have any influence from other people? Did they, did somebody pull you to one side and say, look, Karen, you know, this uh, this might not happen for you? Or was it a realisation you had? And 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 also, how did, how did you feel about that? Was it an easy thing to get your head around? Was there disappointment involved? How did, how did it work for you? Man, great questions. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Do you know, I was thinking about this on the flight back from Greece. I was like, I've got it, I've got it. I drift off and then all of a sudden a question would pop in my head. I'm like, man, I'm going to ask Karen that. No, I mean, a good question because, you know, I think the mental side of things, it, it plays such a big role. Uh, but, you know, I think I was at such a stage in my life, you know, when you're in your mid-20s, you're thinking a lot more mm. in a wiser way than you were in your teens. So I, I very well knew where I was heading. You know, I had my education up. I knew what I was kind of... Uh, getting into but yes of course it's very difficult to accept the fact that man you're not good enough to compete for the country at the olympics uh, the indian flag which is going to be on your chest is not going to happen 
man, you're not good enough. So, I mean, I'm getting chills while talking about this. The fact is, it's difficult to accept because, you know, uh, as an athlete and I think uh, as runners, we can all uh, maybe relate to this that when you you have a goal and you want to freaking get that goal, man, that's that's what you want to do. And nothing comes in the way of that. And when you don't do that, there's disappointment. And if you're going to hide away that disappointment, how it's not possible. You, you got to face it and you got to be disappointed. So difficult, but in a way... Um, you know, um, I've always been very driven. Um, I do get disappointed, but then I always have goals. Um, I have an open mind, and I don't uh, believe you. You you don't sound you don't sound very driven at all, Karen. <laughs> I'll be honest. You sound quite you sound quite lazy. I, I think uh, I, I think it's you that's sat there in your pajamas right now, and it's it's half past one over there. So <laughs> no, you know what? You know what? I was just thinking about you know because because we got on the Zoom call before this and. Uh, Pete was sitting in there with his pajama. You guys are looking really cozy, comfortable, <laughs> looking nice, looking with a cup of hot chocolate or something with you guys early in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm extremely comfortable, I must tell you. And, um, you know, when we did the Zoom call, I could see in the background that Karen had a load of um, a load of post-it notes. And um, when, when I have that many post-it notes, Karen, that means that I've got a big list of things to do uh, that I've not yet done. So what I do with those post-it notes, and I'll do it now with this one just to prove it, is what I do is I take it off and then I screw it up and put it in the bin so there we go it, it helps to it, it helps to make me feel better mentally you know <laughs> i think we're pleased that you're not a running coach pete i have to say well, you on know that what one. talking, talking about post-it notes i mean uh, I, I don't know how many of your uh, you know you guys got so many of your listeners would relate to this and i've seen this with myself when it comes to running for mm. me like because uh, i do run a lot and train myself and i got my athletes I'm really particular with my time, with my athletes starting on time, my training, it's start on time, finish on time, like, you know, like army clockwork. And uh, with my training, uh, not as rigid, but still, I want to kind of go the way I wanted to go. But everything else during the day, whether it's my daughter, my wife, my other work, emails, oh my God, everything gets delayed. It's like we're the same, Karen. It's like we're identical. <laughs> so some, something has to give, doesn't it, somewhere? There's no question of that. You, you can't be firing on all cylinders all the time. You see, the only thing that I'm really regimented about is exactly when I'm going to get my food. I'm like, right, if I've not eaten by six o'clock, I am very moody. <laughs> <laughs> Karen, tell me, we, we've spoke a little bit, although we've not used this phrase, but, phrase, but the whole nature or nurture thing and, and having a natural ability, you had uh, a natural ability, a high level of ability. Obviously, once you were in the mix with some of the real uh, up-and-coming stars, uh, then, then you had to reflect and go, actually, is my dream going to be possible? Do you think that there's a no- number of people out there, sort of recreational runners I'm talking now, that perhaps use the fact that they're not a naturally gifted runner almost as a an obstacle or an excuse or a reason as to why they haven't broken 60 minutes for a 10k for for example what i would say to that jake is that a bit of clarity you know and uh, i do this with a bunch of my athletes my clients uh, people i talk to whoever asks me um, this is what i say you gotta have clarity looking back now you can say things that turn the way that i wanted to i i won't change my life in any way but could i have had more clarity could I have had uh, more wisdom in terms of making decisions, in terms of doing things the other way? Yes. So if somebody wants to run a 25-minute 5K and is struggling to make 25 minutes in the 5K, um, there could be a bunch of reasons for it. So you've got to be really real. You've got to have clarity in terms of the time you're investing. So running is so clear. You get exactly what you put in. So... I got exactly what I what I put in. I mean, I had had four knee surgeries 
before I started competing at a very high level. So, I, I mean, what was I expecting? I mean, really, what do you, what do you think? Are you going to be going and competing against the best 30 athletes in the world who've been training uh, at a younger age than com- compared to you who've got better training than you and who are maybe in all likelihood more talented than you? So had I had more clarity, maybe I had done things more differently. Maybe I would have trained more differently, more patiently, not as aggressively as I did because I wanted things to happen so quickly, right? You, uh, 2012, it's five years away. Boom, boom, boom. You need to be four years away. You need to be the best in the state. Three years away, you want to be the best in the country. You still want to be the best in the country. And two years away, you want to be competing internationally. And if that doesn't happen, you know, you beat yourself up. So clarity in my in my view would be great for all the recreational runners to have clear goals and you know if you have a good coach and obviously jake is doing great stuff with his uh, people around i mean you know you have to have clarity just decide i mean obviously everything is not going to be perfect but you can have clarity in the sense that okay you know what i'm going to be running so and so races in this summer or this winter and i'm here just to enjoy myself and if that means Running 60 minutes in the 10K, so be it. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. I just want to go out there and enjoy myself. Maybe lose some pounds or, oh, you know what? I want to run 52 minutes by the end of the year. That means shedding off eight minutes. And if you don't do that, you got to look inside that certain things didn't obviously go your way that you can achieve it. Uh, you can't make excuses. The fact is either your program is not correct Either you're not eating well, either you're not committing yourself, you know, to the sport or to your running. Uh, you need to put in more time. And certain times I feel when the programs are even going well, according to a coach or people around you, maybe you need to be more self-reflective and kind of, you know, be a little hard on yourself. Tell yourself that, you know, you need to put in more time or you need to do things differently. Looking ahead to what you're doing now with your younger athletes that you're working with, because I'm really interested to get into this. How does it? sort of the clarity work for those individuals at that age because you're working with young athletes if i'm not mistaken here you're working long-term goals kind of 2028 olympics is kind of what you got your eye on so this long development program how do you keep young athletes on track how do they want it as much as you wanted it when you were competing you know that's something my wife says a lot uh you know she says that current um i'm waiting for the day that we look into the athlete's eye and that athlete wants it more than you. So the answer to that right now is uh, no, but we got to understand the kind of kids we're dealing with. Um, so the foundation and the work that we do with the tribal kids and that we get, it's not just any kid. So it's not like, okay, we started up a foundation. We want to help the rural area uh, in India where there's poverty, where people have hunger issues there's not enough water to drink. Even if there's water, it's not clean. It's not sanitized. There are diseases. There's so much going on. Is it about empowering them, helping them? Yes, indirectly. But the focus for the foundation and what we do is the Olympics, medals for the country. Do they think about the Olympics, dream about the Olympics? They're in progress. They're kind of being told. They're educated. Uh, they're very willing to learn, very willing to understand. Uh, some of them are naturally more driven than the others. But it's all about education. And I think when you have an environment, what I'm trying to create out here, then everybody follows through. I'll give you an example. We started up the program in 2018. And in 2018, got raw kids, kids who've never run before, kids who've never worn shoes before, 
Can you imagine that they've never worn a pair of shoes before? We wow. gave them the first pair of shoes. We told them that running even exists. These are kids, and we had four kids who had never even been to school. So they didn't know books. They didn't know anything. They didn't even know the language. So in India, our native language is Hindi. They only knew their tribal language. They didn't even know the national language, uh, let alone English. These kids are pure, man. They are like you know. If you one day, if you guys are in India, man. I would love to invite you to this place, and when you meet them, then when you look into the eyes, when you shake hands with them, and when you talk to them, and then you'll you'll understand that wow, man, these kids are pure, like they're genuine, like they 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 talk with their eyes, you know, because they're just so from the backward areas and and such tribal areas that they've never gotten out of their jungles. It's a pleasure to coach them because they're so willing to learn and they adapt so quickly, and they're such honest, real people, and that's what you need on the track. So. This kid we had called Walter Kandulna. He is a national champion currently in the two thousand meters in the two k, and he did this within one year and four months of training with us. He became the best in the country, and now kids all across his village, all across that whole belt, which is about forty to sixty odd kilometers, everybody knows his name and everybody wants to be part of the foundation. So the culture always is driven by performance. but the culture in a pure area is so beautiful that once you develop it in a positive way uh, everybody wants to go towards that goal even if they don't own totally understand it yet because they are also young and once that goal is achieved at such a level then it just filters across the nation do i really sense the culture that you're building just from the few chats that we've had and speaking to you now because when i look at the likes of uh, i i see the things that you're putting out on instagram and uh, on the website that you've got which is the, the, all about the indian track foundation it's it, it seems there's this family feel the athletes live together it's 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 integrated you're creating this uh, warm um uh, professional environment i imagine you must have to be very careful with the pressure that you 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 put them under the athletes i'm talking about here because as they're kind of self-discovering they're finding their own level of ability their own drive and passion as your wife mentioned to you it's about looking in their eyes and wanting uh, to see that they want it more than you want it for them as their coach that must be really difficult i imagine to 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 balance the pressure i'm just trying to put myself in your shoes now if you're you got a young athlete you talk about the national champion you get and you see the ability that this individual has that must get you supercharged and fired up and stoked but actually they've got to want it as well which is kind of what we touched upon earlier that must be tricky, tricky for you it's a great great point and i think this is something that one can only learn with experiences you got to fall a couple of times you got to understand how it works but the good thing with me was that as an athlete i was really injured Uh, I got a bunch of injuries even before I started my running career and during my running career. Mm. Um, uh, one of my coaches used to call me a high maintenance athlete, where he used to get annoyed with the number of injuries I had, and it was just my body. Yeah, <laughs> man, I was like pretty much like this footballer called Iron Robin. You know, I remember following football, and he used to get injured so much and such a talented player. I used to get injured a bunch, and but the point is that you know when you have kids and and you, you know the responsibility is huge that. not only do you want these kids to become the best athletes they can be and if that is the olympic levels that's what we wanted but they got to finish up with the program or they got to finish under you know if they're training with coach they were you know what man this guy is the guy who changed my life and i'm going to be a better bigger person get moving on from here so it's not just about running it's not just about having one track mind at the olympic gold because you know if you got a 10 year old kid 12 year old kid how can you force a kid to go and win 
the Olympic gold when the kid has never even heard the word Olympics, you know? And when you're scouting these guys, do you, you, you obviously you look for natural ability through your research. You know the areas where uh, people have this ability that you need to, to take them to the Olympic level. How important is drive and ambition for you? Or do you kind of think, well, do you know what? Let's see how we go with this individual. Let's see what happens further down the line when they discover their, the, the talent that they have. A bit of both, a bit of both. And it, um, but I think I would go with the latter. Because uh, the kind of kids we are recruiting and the age group we're recruiting at, it's such a young age that, you know, it takes so much time to even getting used to living with us as a family, right? I mean, you know, you're firstly living away from your home. Uh, You don't know where you're at. You're at altitude. When you start training, you're breathing heavy. You've never run before. You're just talented. You don't even know what the Olympics are. You don't even know this coach who speaks in all three, four languages. You have no idea. Uh, They're wearing different clothes. These guys have maybe... A pair of clothing, some even don't even have a pair of clothing. They travel such a long way. It takes them two, two and a half days to travel. Um, there's so many things to contend with that you got to take it in such an easy, relaxed manner and you got to wait for it to flow. And you see, the kids are from such tough backgrounds. They are from such backward areas where things are not easily given to them. They don't know what television is. So when things do come to them, they're so driven and they're so thankful and they're so genuine about it that you gotta bet your money on it man these guys are gonna have the best shot at making it and if they don't i don't think um anybody does then tell me a little bit about uti where you are which is where your base isn't it you all live together it's a high altitude uh, wh- why uti so uti is a small uh, i mean i won't call it a small town but a relatively small uh, city in uh, the south of india have you, have you guys traveled to india before i mentioned to you when yeah. we we spoke uh, before the show that i'm my father's side of the family is is indian i'm actually half indian but i i've never been uh, i'm ashamed to admit so maybe we need to arrange a trip i need to come and say hello and do a bit of high altitude well, training one of your fun <laughs> sessions though keep ho- it easy ho- man keep hopefully, it easy hopefully hopefully peter's ready by then funnily enough i was looking at statistics for the podcast the other day and uh, myself and jake had a little bit of chat a little bit of a chat about this We've got loads and loads of listeners um, in India and also in the United States. So what I'm angling at is a free holiday in both places. <laughs> I'm just envisioning Pete in the middle of the Uti streets in his pajamas. <laughs> he's running. He's running. He's running. That's, that's what I'll be doing. That'll be me. All apart from the running. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Good, some, some really good places to eat here, man. No, my ears have really pricked up. <laughs> what's what's the diet like for you guys? You know, from a, fu- a fueling performance perspective, in terms of fueling the sessions, recovery. We know it's a massive subject. We know it's a massive grey area as well. It can cause so much divide of opinion and, and uncertainty and lack of clarity. That word that we keep using. How does the diet work for you for your guys over there? Nutrition is a is a big part of uh, you know any any training program, any running mm-hmm. program. But this was something that was designed by me as well. Uh, again, through my research, through what I experienced, it's very basic. Athletes wake up at about uh, 4.55, 5 a.m. We have a session in shop six. Uh, before we have a session, we have some milk and banana. Post-session, or we have some dry fruits and some soybeans. And, um, um, you know, we, we, and then we have a breakfast with some eggs and some porridge some fruits, then we uh, have some uh, lemonade, etc. at about 11 and about 12.30ish, we have a lunch. We have chapatis and we have dal, uh, which is really high in protein. Mm. And we have, uh, you know, always uh, a green veggie or beetroot. <laughs> beetroot is every second day. Spinach is every every day spinach. 
So we have spinach and another green vegetable with that. And then about uh, three o'clock, we'll have, uh, you know, some more nuts and fruits. And uh, then we have a session at about 4.15. We get done with that, some milk and some, uh, you know, some um, soybeans and some fruits again, uh, light stuff, sometimes some yogurt. And then we have some dinner with some meat and, you know, uh, some rice usually. Sometimes, um, you know, a bit of roti mixed in there with some veggies. And then these guys go to sleep and then they do the same routine every single day. Repeat, repeat, repeat. It's, it's, it sounds like you've really got it nailed down. And it's so important, isn't it, with the, the fueling, you know, at the end of the day. You've got to put fuel in the car to, to get it to go, man. It's, just, it's as simple as that. It's really simple, you know. I mean, I mean I'm, 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 you know, I've got a bunch of teammates who were Kenyan. And some of them were, uh, you know, right now, some of them are the best in the world. And... Uh, I would ask them, and you know, I would be so interested, obsessed with the fact that you know, there's this book that came out called More Fire. I don't know if you heard it from uh, read it from Toby Tansel, and I read that book, and I was like, wow, man, uh, that book just got me thinking that these Kenyans they keep winning. How do they do it, and what do they eat? And then I would just understand from them that how do they eat when they travel and I would see them and they would eat such simple ugali, simple food, maize flour and keep it so simple. They don't think much and they just train hard and like, you know what, we complicate food and nutrition so much in today's age. And I'm like, you know what, the best, at- you got to follow the best athletes in the world because they're doing it right and and they keep it so simple. But even in that simple, it's not that simple because it's on time and it's simple, basic food and it has no junk in it. And it has no extra fat, there's no oil. Uh, it's just simple, nutritious farm food, you know. And it's as good as it gets and it, they, they eat it at the right time. They're less stressed, they're relaxed and they train the butt off, you know. Well, I, I can't think uh, of another coach that uh, would be better placed to uh, be doing the great work that you're doing. I, I wish you all the luck in the world. I'm sure that we will cross paths again, not only in India. We'll come and have a little visit. Pete's going to get his uh, fresh, uh, freshly ironed pyjamas ready for that little trip to Uti. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll have to have you back on the show in the future and just keep an eye on how things are going with your guys. And I know you're a very, very busy man, Karen, so I really do appreciate you, you coming on the show and, and talking to us today. I enjoyed have it, you got a, 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 Are you taking the guys on a session today? What time is it over there? It's, it's kind of mid-afternoon. Afternoon now. Have you got a training session? Yeah, so it's about two thirty. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we got a session. Cool, man. We got a session at about four fifteen. So I'm gonna get ready for that and get awesome. Going. And you make some time for yourself, obviously, to train. Keep keep keeping up with it. That was that was something that I kind of uh, you know I don't know how many people will relate to this part. Mm. Uh, Jake, I don't know what your running journey has mm. been, but for me, uh, man, I was uh, a semi-professional professional athlete, and you know, training every day. The body is uh, at a very high level in terms of performance and. Uh, your body looks good, you feel good, and you, you're you like clockwork. And then, boom, when I started coaching, man, I was like, F it, man. Like, mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not running. And, uh, and, and, you know, for like five, six years, for all the, you know, hard work that I put in, my body held up. And then maybe about, you know, when I moved to OT about two years ago, I started feeling the effects of it. You know, I was sleeping in the afternoons, having all my carbs. And, man, I love beef burgers. Beef burgers are like my favorite. And, like, I was just piling them on and maybe Pete can relate with this oh <laughs> man seriously afternoon sleep some beef burgers you can't beat that when are we coming over Karen when are we coming over you've got his attention now listen before we let you go just tell me where can people uh, keep up to date with what's going on with you obviously uh, we're going to link your in- Instagram account which is coach.karen uh, on the show notes page where people can, can go and follow you and keep up to date with what you're doing the show notes page is runningwithjake.com forward slash 
podcast. But how can people find out more about the Indian Track Foundation as as well, Karen? Because I know people can donate as Absolutely. well to, to help pursue the dream. So, so if anybody, uh, you know, wants to, you know, support the program and you guys have heard about it and you guys, um, you know, feel like you want to kind of connect with it, understand it, we've got a website called www.indiantrackfoundation.com. And uh, that's what has the information. We have an Instagram page by the name of IndianTrackFoundation.com. And uh, we do have some regular updates in there. I'm very active on uh, Instagram. My Instagram account is coach.current. And I keep putting a bunch of stuff that my athletes do, I do, and our lifestyle. Uh, it'll be great if you can get support. Um, but that's what it is, man. You guys can follow us there. Karen, great to catch up. Keep doing your thing. Speak soon. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. For the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast and follow us on social media. Back to good old Blighty and Pete, I think it's time for you to bang on about Podcast Guru. I don't understand any of this stuff. You do it every show. It's all Greek to me. I don't. (laughs) Just let the Greek thing get. Oh, now the music again. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. I I feel like I pass me a limoncello. Seriously. That's, that's better. That's more like it. Cheers. Yes, Cheers. <laughs> Do you know, uh, Podcast Guru, you're right. We've got to mention the guys. They're absolutely brilliant. Love Podcast Guru. And we're featured on their on their app as well. Um, so if you have an Android device and you, you, you're struggling with uh, which app to use and you've not found the one that's right for you, give Podcast Guru a go. Um, we're, on the, we're on the front page. And also, I was listening to some of the other people on the front page. Uh, and I've got to say that there are some really good podcasts on there. So it's like we're in some really nice conversations company like secretly um incredibly fascinating is a podcast i listen to and they take everyday stuff and and make it interesting like i heard an episode um they were talking about (laughs) microwave ovens did you know a microwave oven was made completely by accident in in some kind of um it was they, they were doing some research for radars and they were using some equipment and the guy just happened to have a chocolate bar with him and it melted and he went actually i bet we could ch- stick a chicken in there and he went good god it was i'm not even joking it was invented by accident if we lose listeners off the back of this episode, I'm holding you personally responsible. Seriously, check it out. Secretly incredibly fascinating. Go and check that podcast out. It's great. And time for something else that's incredibly fascinating. It's time for me to answer one of your questions in hashtag AskJake. We've had a question in from Charlotte who wants to know if I think it is a good idea to run to music. Where do I start with this one, Charlotte? It's not one size fits all. This can really divide opinion. There's a few things to consider here. I think running with music is fine. Personally, I do it periodically. So I might do one, maybe two runs, perhaps at the most, uh, each week where I listen to music. Sometimes I'll listen to a podcast as well. I know there's many people that listen to the the Running With Jake podcast where they're uh, out there doing their long runs to help pass the time. But here's the thing to really consider. If you are going to listen to music while you're running, Charlotte, have a think about what the session is what the purpose of the session is. Because, for example, if you're out there doing a very easy midweek run or a long run where you know it should be an easy effort and you find that hard anyway to kind of run slow enough, if you're listening to some really kind of uh, high-tempo music, your favourite tunes, whatever that might may be, that could spur you on to run 
quicker and above and beyond your easy effort, your easy pace. So you're kind of missing the purpose of your uh, your run in some respects. So I do think that's really important. At the other end uh, of the spectrum, to kind of give you another example, if you're listening to some music that's not quick enough and you're listening to this while you're doing like an interval session, it might not flow with your running rhythm. Does that make sense? So the beat of the music might not match your footsteps or your breathing, in which case it can throw you off. It can feel a little bit distracting and annoying. So find what works for you. In the main, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a good idea to mix things up. So if you do listen to music, sometimes have those runs where you're running without and you're really listening to what's going on around you, your breathing, your footsteps, the birds, the wind through the trees, all those things and really being in the moment. Uh, But just have a nice mix of Uh, listening to music and not and just make sure that you think about what the session at hand is and what the purpose is i hope that helps if you've got a running related question then it's hashtag ask jake that brings us to the end of today's show there may be no races on the horizon for us at the moment but we will do our best to keep you fired up keep you motivated motivated this is your weekly dose of running motivation have a super day have a super week run safe stay in one piece and we will see you back here next wednesday Oh, before you go, just one more thing. The secret of happiness is not found in seeking more, but in developing the capacity to enjoy less. That's a quote from uh, Socrates, you know, the, the, the Greek philosopher. Just got back from Greece, the whole Taverna thing. Baclava Santa Candle, it doesn't matter.